Do you ever just ask yourself some of life's biggest questions like how did the frog boys become vampire hunters and lost boys? Or how did Ferris Bueller take so many sick days from school? And let's be honest, Indiana Jones could have easily avoided that boulder in the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's why we're going to explain all these plot holes in today's episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast, Episode 7. I am your host, Colin Bourne. And I am Aaliyah. So how's it going today, everybody? I'm doing all right. That's good. I know I can tell you're kind of suffering a little bit, but I think you'll be yeah, fine. I got some sunburn last Thursday and I'm still healing from it. And let, I mean, to be even more honest, my, my chest looks like Freddy Krueger's face right now. Yeah. It's if disgusting. He, if he had more of a suntan. You know, like how in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, I think, where they she dreamt that she was at the beach. And, and Freddy f- was taking a tan. Yeah, and he was sitting there with his sunglasses on, just chilling at the beach, trying to get his prey. Let's go to the beach each. Let's go get away. Yep. Yep, that's ready. <laughs> but today we're going to discuss of some of life's... Some of the movie's greatest plot holes, I guess. Yeah, and you know what? And there's tons of plot holes. Especially <clears throat> for me, 80s movies have tons of plot holes. Mm-hmm. They have tons of stuff that we do not understand of why the writers did not go into more detail about the stories that they did. Yeah. So that's why we picked three movies that we're going to talk about with three plot holes. We're going to talk about Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. And The Lost Boys. The Lost Boys and Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which are all 80s movies, right? Yes, they are, because Indiana Jones, Raider of the Lost Ark came out in 1982. Mm -hmm. Ferris Bueller's Day Off came out in 1986. And The Lost Boys came out in 1987. And the reason why we chose Raiders of the Lost Ark specifically, because last night Colin and I went to a drive-in it's kind of just nice to go out and hang out with your friends, especially since the movie theaters aren't open yet. And the best part was that they were playing 80s movies last night. It was a double feature. Well, I think they were playing 80s movies in both screens, right? No, well, no. No, cause, no, they didn't. Because in our screen, we saw The Goonies and Raiders of the Lost Ark. And in the second screen, they, That's were, good watching, enough for me. they were watching Jaws and Jurassic Park, which yeah. I could have personally picked that screen to go watch. Yeah. Jurassic yeah. Park is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, but how many times do you get to see Goonies and Raiders and the, the big screen? At, I at mean, a drive-in? Goonies, you can see pretty much any times. I know you have the DVD. I know, but I don't have a projector at home where I can just pl- put it outside. But we have a DVD player in the bedroom. I know, but that's always the same thing. You know, just like it isn't the same thing that I download Jurassic Park on my phone and watch it. Which I noticed you did download so, that. So, yeah. So... <laughs> I was wondering why the, all that money went but away. But you know what? We're not going to talk about that right now. Oh, Because I promised you last night that we were not going to po- poke plot holes into your precious Goonies movie, because that's your sacred treasure. Yeah, you leave you, Goonies alone, all right? Yeah, so They've we're not going to talk about Goonies. They went through a lot in that movie, all right? Just trying to save their home in Astoria. But, but the gist of it is, is that we watched Raiders of the Lost Ark and Goonies. We were driving home from the drive-in, and we were talking about this one scene in Indiana Jones, which I think we're going to start off with because to my you know, understanding of the movie, that one scene is the only plot hole that I can think of. Unless, Colin, you have others you want to share. but The, the only one I could think of is the Boulder one. I mean, everything else makes sense and everything. Sort of. Sort but of. then again, I kind of was... Well, actually, good question, too. How did, how did Indiana Jones, those people that were trying to take that, that precious uh, medallion from him, well, the Nazis... R- r- Raiders of the Lost Ark wasn't the first Indiana Jones movie, right? No, it is. Is it really? Yeah, it's the very first. Well, I mean, I'm sure if we had actually stayed and watched the whole thing, we probably could have found out. But, yeah, there are a lot of things in this movie that didn't quite make sense. But we're just going to focus on this one specific scene because that was, like, the focal point of our conversation last night. It's the one that makes sense to us. It's, it's the most highly referenced scene, and a lot of people adapt it in different, like... Oh, movie, in pop culture. In pop mm-hmm. culture and, like, other shows and movies, mm-hmm. they... They reference this scene a lot in other things. Oh, yeah. But it's the opening scene where Indiana Jones and his guy he's, he's traveling with. Yeah, guides that are taking him to the temple. Yes. So he goes into the temple. They go up to the pedestal where this golden medallion, like, idol is. And he swaps it out for a bag of rocks to kind of, like, counter the weight difference, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't set off booby traps. But what does it do anyway? It sets off a booby trap. His friend deserts him yeah. and gets killed in the process. That's what he gets. And then when he's about to go further down the tunnel, a giant boulder comes rolling, 
And here's the thing I noticed too. When that boulder makes its entrance, it almost comes down from like a ramp. It up. does. Yeah, it's a ramp. It's like a, it comes down from like a s- slope of a ramp mm-hmm. over Indiana's head before it actually descends into like the tunnel of where he's walking. But here's my point. If he had just left that boulder to go over his head, he could have easily just been following the boulder down the tunnel. Literally, he could have just went running, underneath Instead it. of running from it. Yeah, he could have just went underneath the boulder. Doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, and then instead he just keeps doing this runaway chase. There's this the huge like chase scene, which, like I said, it could have been avoided had he just let the thing. Because Colin asked me this too. He's like, "Well, what, what, what was it that you asked? You're like, well, what would have happened if the boulder had been rolling? It could have rolled in front of him. And as we find out, like nothing really major happens. Yeah. As Indy's running, like it doesn't hit anything. It doesn't, it doesn't hit doesn't... him. Yeah. Indy kept on slipping, or he kept, he kept running. He tripped a little bit. He kept on running, and literally in the very then, end, he jumps out of the cave, and the boulder doesn't go any further than that, but to block the whole like entrance of the cave. It blocks the entrance. It doesn't like bust down a wall or anything. No, it just the minute he leaves that cave, he jumps out, lands in the bushes, and friggin' the boulder just sits there in the front entrance oh, of the cave. Oh, because it's too big to get out. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's all that's, it does. That's probably the one thing I missed about that opening scene. Yeah. Then yeah, he probably wouldn't have been able to get out then. And you know what's funny? The whole time I was watching that, as the thing is constantly chasing him, all I could think about is that chicken run, is that chicken run thing that like the whole time he's being chased by that rock. Yeah. And it's just like you could it's like that Benny Hill chicken run dance theme that he could have just used that in the background. That would have been hilarious. Like I said, there's a lot of things in that movie that we saw that we could have been like, well, that could have probably been avoided, or that probably could have gone a different way. But yeah, and and the thing is too is just like the uh, so the tribe after he gets out of the cave, he sits there with cobwebs all over him, and he feels like he's finally free and nothing can touch him. But all, all of a sudden, a tribe stops him with like spears and and blowers and stuff like that, and he's just sitting there, just. You know, feeling trapped, and then one of the yes. I'm raising my hand now. This time, God is there man. a plot hole to be brought up in this particular scene? Yes. How what? the hell did they not shoot him? It's like they basically did the uh, the stormtroopers thing, where the stormtroopers are shooting at you, but they miss every time, and the tribe did not well, no, hit him at they, all. They didn't attack him right away because remember that guy yeah. that was. Kind of essentially leading them. Yeah, he was told leading them not them because to. he knew the language. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, he didn't attack right away until Indiana Jones tried escaping. No, I get that, but I'm just saying as but you're, they're. But you're, but you're asking the big question is like you have all these people with all these weapons. You have spears. You have arrows. You have blow darts. Not one of these things hits him, at all. and he's almost within range of some sort of range where he could have gotten hit. And so basically, they did like the stormtroopers thing. That's what it feels yeah. like they did with that, and like it kind of made also, me laugh. That made me realize that. Have you ever seen any of the other Indiana Jones movies? Yeah, Temple of Doom, and also uh, the, the Last Crusade. Is that the one of them? Yeah, that's the last okay. one. That's the one with uh, Sean Connery as his dad. Oh, okay. Which, that's do a really they, good one. Do they ever discuss why he's afraid of snakes? No. Like, th- that never gets brought up? No, that actually never gets brought up, which I don't understand. Why would if, he be afraid of snakes? If we're wrong and they have discussed it and we just were not paying attention, please do let us know in, yeah. like, a Facebook page or Twitter or whatever. It's been forever since I've watched all three movies, and they have it on Netflix, and we could watch, like, the other two movies as well. Yeah. I saw the Crystal... The Crystal of Skull ones, and it was just... Eh. Yeah, I, w- I watched it. It's, eh, it had it's a, okay. It had an interesting twist at the end, but I mean, I'm not going to go I into I mean, that. it's cool. It shows the legacy of Indiana Jones and what he's been through and stuff, and his reputation in that movie. Mm-hmm. It's, like, legendary, but it's okay. I mean, it's not, like, the best, like, the last, like, the first three. Yeah. But the first three, you have to go and check them out. But, They're really good. But my biggest issue with the Raiders of the Lost Ark was just that boulder scene. Because yeah. like I said, it's it's a highly referenced scene. A lot of people do their own renditions of it in other shows and movies and such. And it's like, when you watch the original scene from the movie, you think to yourself, well, that kind of probably would have been, a, he could have avoided the boulder. Exactly. But he, then again, I didn't, like I said, I didn't know that the boulder was too big to go through the cave's entrance. Exactly. So I wouldn't have no. He would have essentially been blocked in. 
But if that were even the case, remember later on in the movie, him and Mar- Marion are in the snake pit. Yeah. In that cave, they managed to find a way out. Mm-hmm. He can. He could have found his way out. He could have. Yeah. But he did. But yeah, he did. Right. Yeah, he did. Yeah, they found a way out of the cave with the snakes and stuff. Yeah. But because like, he saw that that there were snakes coming in from the outside. But he was pretty calm about the snakes in the cave, unlike when he was in the airplane and he's freaking out because there was a snake in, in the his air. seat. He, if he jumps out of the plane, he's going to die. <laughs> yeah. And essentially, that snake was his pilot's pet. Or so what, he couldn't just take the snake and throw it. And his name was Reggie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but what if he... um. What if he just jumps off the plane, lands in the water, and he could have been safe? How can you be so sure that there was water below them? Well, you know, because they were they were flying through the through the ocean. No, they weren't. Yeah, there was ocean. They they could be flying through ocean. They were on a river, which they took. I know, but once they start flying in the air, they were on a river, which they took off from. But it's never been confirmed that they were following the river. They could have ventured away from the river and then over like forest and yeah but then you know past forests especially where they are there could be there there is water there is big big things of water big things of ocean i'm just saying and i'm just saying i mean a large part of our world is made up of water yes but given the area in which they were i guess traveling their only source of water is a river which you can't really be reliant on in terms of trying to survive from jumping out of a plane. Exactly. Because, I mean, A, you can't take into consideration how deep the water is. It could be shallow, which mm-hmm. if you try jumping in a river from a very tall height, you could probably still break some legs if you hit the shallow portions of the river. You know, I'm thinking of something. I'm thinking in the second movie, uh, Temple of Doom, mm-hmm. when they're on, when they're in the airplane, they're traveling, him, Short Round, and the, and the girl... They're all traveling, and for some reason, well, and the plane crashes into a mountain, and they actually are on a inflatable thing. You know the um, when you go white water rafting and you go on that uh, inflatable, what's it called, inflatable boat? The raft. Yeah, the mean? raft. The raft itself. Sorry, they're they actually. I don't know how this. They actually live through this, but in in air, they jump out of the plane, and sitting on this raft. And they're flying in the air all the way down, where they actually perfectly land on on snow to slide down a mountain. And the thing, and the plane well, is super high up in the air, and I don't know even know how they made through that because you would have died in real life. Well, yeah, I mean, snow is even more unreliable because it could be so packed and dense that you probably wouldn't even be able to fall through it like a cloud in a way. Yeah. Or you could fall so deep into the snow you have no way of climbing out of it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But that's just another. Again, another plot hole you can poke poke into, but we're not talking. We're about not that. talking about yeah. that. We were talking about the boulder, but and but now, I think that kind of concludes our segment for the Raiders of the Lost. And Ark. now that we can push so, the bo- uh, now that we can push the boulder away, we can go to Santa Carla now. Oh, is this the Lost Boys one? Yes. Which, by the way, oh, this has like the biggest plot hole ever. Which I feel like we're gonna have so much fun talking about this. Yes. But also, before we talk about this. I would actually like to say, I would uh, like to dedicate this um, podcast, this episode, to Joe Schumacher, the man who made, directed The Lost Boys. Yeah, because he did pass away recently. And he died was, yesterday at yeah. age 80. And yeah. he's the one, not only he did that, but he also did a bunch of other uh, Brat Pack movies. He did St. Elmo's Fire. Mm-hmm. Forgot what other movie he did, but he also did stuff like uh, I, Batman Return. Anyway, no, Batman Forever and, and wait, Batman I and Robin. Be thinking of a di- you said Joel Schumacher, right? Joel Schumacher, yeah, same guy. He did Batman Forever I'm- and Batman and Robin. And also, believe it or not, he did The Wiz. I might be thinking of a different Schumacher then, or a completely different person. Anyway, sorry, I don't mean to like get snippy here, but let's let's get into the discussion, which is the Lost Boys, and yep. we want to like before we even go further because these are our kind of our personal opinions on when it comes to plot holes. So they're not really accurate to the story or anything? I mean, I'm we... sure these are plot holes that other people may have thought about too. Yeah. But in terms of like our opinion and our theories, these are just yeah. our personal. They're not based off of yeah. anybody else's ideas. And we we're, were just thinking of this. And we're definitely not stating them as fact. No. So, so you could take them any way you want and you could think about it we're too. Just, we're addressing the plot holes 
and we're discussing our opinions and theories. These are, like I said, they're this not... Is, this is why I'm going to call this this um, segment of ours the, the Lost Boys Supernatural Theory. Because there is kind of... I feel like with me, there are comparisons between the Frog Brothers and the Winchester Brothers, the Winchester <gasps> Boys. He directed Fan of the Opera, Jules Schumacher? Ooh, I Yeah, you didn't that know movie. that? I didn't know. I'm looking at all of the lists of movies that he's directed. Yeah, he even did a number... What was it? The number 32? The number 23, 23. with Jim Carrey. Yeah, but, there's a lot of movies he did. Right, Shit. Uh, um, okay, so focus, anyway. Focus, focus. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, yeah. So, when you watch the movie Lost Boys, I mean, the gist is pretty interesting. So, these two boys and their mom move into a new town. That has some weird outcasts who turn out to be vampires, mm-hmm. who then try turning the older brother into a vampire. Now, this is the part that I don't really quite get, because, I mean, with all this happening, I mean, there's a there's a group of vampires living in amongst this town, mm-hmm. and they turn the older brother into a vampire. Yeah. And then, just coincidentally, the younger brother, Corey Haim's character, meets two, two kids who are about his age, who just happen to be vampire hunters. How is that? How, how and they and they never address the backstory there. So it's kind of like fate. I feel like that happened there because sometimes it'll happen I mean, in movies. It, it's it a could, coincidence. It could be fate. It could be a coincidence. But then it's like, well, wait, where, where are their parents? Exactly. Because you, I mean, I personally have never watched the whole thing from start to finish. That's why you need to with me. I know, but I'm basing off of what I've learned from what Colin has told me because he watches this movie practically religiously. And he's told me some things that are, to me, bring some pretty pretty big plot holes to my attention. Because Mm -hmm. it's like, first of all, they don't ever really show the Frog Boys' parents. Where are they? Like, honestly. And if, like, you you said they meet, he meets them at a comic book store that their parents own. Yeah, and you know what's funny? You see in the comic book store two hippie-looking, two hippie-looking older people, both male and female, with shades on, sleeping on top of each other's shoulders while their kids are working at the shop. I feel like that's a decoy. That could probably just be a decoy, and that's not the actual parents. But that's... Well, that was the thing we talked about, too, last night in the car. Was Okay, say, hypothetically, their parents did die, and let's say it was a vampire-related death, and they had originally owned the comic book store. Mm -hmm. How would it make sense to just leave everything to these two boys without having any sort of like guardian or relative managing the store and watching them because i mean real realistically realistically speaking if the children of a you know set of parents they die Mm. and they leave their estate to them like if they leave everything within their possession their money their estate or whatever to their children if they're not old enough like, like, if they're under 18 and they're not old enough to, like, handle that kind of responsibility. Normally, a guardian or next of kin relative is appointed to help manage that until they are of age to manage, like, a business or handle money or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's nobody like that in the story. No. I mean, unless those two There's hippie no guardian people, at all. Unless those two hippie people are, like you said, a decoy, and they're just running around nilly-willy doing their own fucking thing, yeah. and being vampire hunters, like, why the vampire hunt? Why would that be a profession that two 13-year-old boys take upon themselves, unless there was something related to... Like, if there was, like, a traumatic life issue, like, experience that was vampire-related... Like, because let's say, again, hypothetically... Their parents died of a vampire-related attack, mm-hmm. right? And then they just decide to take it upon themselves to learn and become vampire hunters. Which, from what I do remember of the show, a lot of their movie, well, movie, a lot of what a, a lot of their like knowledge and expertise comes from a lot of like comic books. Yeah, comic books and movies and shows like stereotypical vampire guidelines that yeah. may not always be true. Yeah. And you want to know what I'm going to point out right now? Supernatural. Because let's face it, Supernatural in a way is like Lost Boys. And and, and you know what? And this was years before Supernatural I know came that. out. So this I know was kind of like, I feel like it's like inspiration, but not really. But here's the thing. And this is what we were talking about when we were uh, had this discussion last night. Because if you think about it, 
Sam and Dean's origin kind of leads them into becoming monster hunters, which, which is like what the, the frog, frog boys are. are. Yeah, yeah, frog brothers, but yes. So, Sam and Dean, their mother dies from a demon attack yep. when they're very young. And their father takes it upon himself to learn and train to be a monster hunter. Hang on, I'm getting there. And then he teaches his sons to how, how to become also monster hunters. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of life and legacy that they lead. Exactly. Yeah. So, so it only makes sense, to us at least, that the Frog Boys would have started out this way because of something similar like that happening. Exactly. But it, does, it doesn't ever really get addressed in the Lost Boys movie. It never does because you don't know where the parents are. And even he, they actually talked about it for a second. They're like, yeah, you think we're just some kids that just run our folks' shop and everything? Which, it's it's weird yeah. if they're, like, 13 or, like, yeah. little kids and they're yeah. running a comic book shop. But where like, is their folks, then, yeah. if they're running the comic book store, but you don't see them at all? But this is the thing, that's why I thought about the theory of Supernatural. I feel like with the theory of Supernatural and Lost Boys is that while, while Sam and Dean are traveling and their dad was, like, traveling um, to find these supernatural beings while the boys are together and mm-hmm. they're doing their own thing. And that's kind of like the same thing with the Frog Brothers, is that what if their dad traveled, left the boys in charge of the comic book store, and have him travel to kill vampires or any type of monsters? Thank it, you. Just, just imagine that theory. Well, here's a, here's the problem with that theory, though, is John Winchester only left the boys alone to like be cared for by a friend because he was off learning how to fight monsters, and his sons were too young to... To understand that. Well, not to only to understand that, but to handle that. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Dean was like, what? And, and what if... Dean and, was like, what, four or five when his mom died? And Sam was yeah. only a baby. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure definitely within those first five to ten years of their lives, before they probably even got into monster hunting, a lot of their time was spent staying with a relative or staying cooped up in a hotel because their dad was out fighting monsters. But also, how did they get the training... Because the frog, talk- no, I'm not talking about the oh, Winchester, the Frog that. Brothers. I mean, what if their dad trained them? Yeah, that to was be something- vampire hunters. Exactly, because I mean, like I said, some I feel like some of their knowledge is based off of comic books and shows and movies and stuff. But if they actually were good at hunting vampires and killing vampires, somebody had to teach them. Yeah, and it How wasn't those, that. it wasn't those two fucking hippies that were sleeping in the yeah. comic book shop either yeah. because they're just sitting there doing nothing. Yeah, or unless that's like their decoy, they're actually professional trained vampires. But no, could be too. But. Yeah, but but that's the thing I did not understand is that you know with them, the supernatural theory and the Lost Boys Frog Brothers is that are they one and the same or did Supernatural take inspiration from Lost Boys, from the Frog Brothers itself? Not the movie itself, but the Frog Brothers as a duo? I mean, if they did, it definitely went with a... Say the writers of Supernatural took the idea of the Lost Boys and made, like, based the show's premise off of it. Yeah. They definitely took it and ran in a completely different direction. Where it was like, they gave them a reason why they became monster hunters. Exactly. Which is something, like like we keep saying, they never addressed it in the Lost Boys movie of why the Frog Boys became vampire hunters it just doesn't make sense to me and and plus dean he was like a big geek about stuff like that too he liked comic books and he liked a lot of that type of stuff as well so when i see the frog brothers and i see the winchesters i see i could see dean being an 80s character being like Corey fellman i i see the comparison between Corey fellman and dean winchester because they're both brave they're both you know strong individuals they both are funny too in in certain moments and they're just, you know, they're just like kind of one and the same, I feel like, mm-hmm. when I see their personalities. And then Sam and his brother, they're kind of like, you know, they're basically they're like the Frog Brothers. Dean is the Corey Feldman of the of the duo. Yeah. And I can see that. So is there any other, like, plot holes you can think of from the movie that you want to, like, address before we move on to the biggest one that we're probably going to take up a bunch of time <laughs> discussing? I will. I mean, I, I get what you were saying earlier about this one. But the thing with with the the head vampire, who's the video clerk, that no one knew. Like, when I was a kid, I watched the movie, 
I didn't even know that he was the head vampire. Like, I had predictions, but I didn't know he was the head vampire until the very end of the movie after Keith or Sutherland's character died. And then Mm -hmm. he popped out of nowhere and explained, you know, his whole situation with the boys and everything and trying to get everyone to be together as one. And the thing is, here's a scene where the, the guy comes home and he basically was trying to open up the door to his house and everything to his uh to his place and says hi to his boy to his dog and then he was just like what's the matter and the air and the kite pops out of nowhere and it's a design of a bat and he's just kind of like really confused about the situation and then all he hears is dirt bikes and lights and all you see is um, lights flashing all over the place and dirt bikes are like riding all over and you hear all the all the vampires screaming. Mm-hmm. So the thing I didn't get with that part was did he did he know them or did he, did he not was he not a vampire at the time or why was that whole situation need to be because he he knew them from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So it's like they could have done a meeting. They could have just discussed about the whole situation of the boys and the mother, but instead it's just he had this really confused look of who these kids are. Well, and this is like, because this is something that Colin brought to my attention before we even hopped on the podcast. But my theory is, is that if if he was pretending not to know or have any affiliation to save his identity as being like the vampire king or leader or whatever, yeah. this when you have that kind of secret, discretion is key. And the only thing that will save your ass from getting being found out is to pretend like you don't know the people who you are naturally associated with. He not only fooled the people in the movie too, but he also fooled like the the audience, the 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 moviegoers. You know, because are you was, sure it was the audience or just you? I'm part of the audience. Shut up. Anyway, no, but he was very discreet about the whole thing. And I was very amazed that they didn't they didn't say anything till the very end of the movie, and that's perfect. That's how you have to do it, and especially in the movies. It means it's a pretty big plot twist. Yeah, and I like that. Just, I like plot twists. I feel like that's what kind of inspired M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> I mean, like it. Here's the thing. We talked about M Night Shyamalan recently mm-hmm. when we were talking about Avatar: The Last Airbender. Like now, we're definitely gonna have to re-record that episode and later time but when we talk about it we're definitely going to talk about how crappy his rendition of the last airbender was which by the way i haven't seen the whole movie so i want to watch the movie first to discuss how bad it is because i've never seen the whole movie yeah and you can watch it without me because i don't ever want to watch that piece of garbage again and i will do my whole review on the movie itself to see what i think of it and just the and then and like just everything about it when we do that episode we're going to give our overall review of avatar the last airbender the show yep. and our thoughts on the upcoming because there's rumors right now that netflix is going to do a live action version of the show so hopefully they not, make that good not not movie long or yeah. not movie but a show so I'm interested to see how that comes out. But if, we'll talk more about that in the next episode. Yes. Let's move on to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So now we're going to go into the windy city of Chicago to the suburbs in Illinois to discuss about this kid named Ferris Bueller. Now, one of the, like we mentioned earlier, the biggest question that we kind of ask ourselves when we think of Ferris Bueller is, why does he feel the need to skip school all the time? And you know what? And the thing is, too, he comes from a like from a perfect background i feel like he gets along with his parents so well like he his parents love him they adore him because he's the youngest one of the family and he loves his parents too and the reason why we say this is like it's it doesn't feel like an act of acting out because when when kids act out they're doing it to get attention they're not doing it to you know like for the thrill which is what i feel like ferris is doing He's pushing his limits on how far he can get away with something, and that's the thrill. Yeah. And every time he manages to get away with something, he's like, okay, what can I do next? What can I do next that I can get away with? Because I feel like he thinks his life is so boring because it's the same thing. You go to school, you learn, you do your homework, you do all these things to be a good person, to go to college, and yet he wants to play dangerous. His philosophy in life seems to think that, like, yes, there is more to life than school and work and just the normal nine-to-five grind of day-to-day living. And that's fine. That's a beautiful philosophy, in my personal opinion. But 
why it's hard to explain because we talked so much about this last night we just talked a little bit more about this before we got on the podcast so let's just start at the very beginning so ferris convinces his parents that he is sick Hmm. And they manage to pull him from school, and they call his school and say he's not feeling well. Well, going to make it into well. Well, actually, he he di- they didn't call the school because the mother forgot because she was too busy working. And then the principal, Mr. Rooney, called her to explain the situation to Ferris, and she was sorry for not calling. Yes. So then it you know you realize very early on that he is not sick. He is perfectly fine, and mm. that he just tricked his parents into thinking he was sick so he wouldn't have to go to school. Yeah. But why? I don't know. You know what? That was a good question, too, because I feel like he doesn't need to do any of that. He, it's just like, from a background that he has, he there shouldn't be no problems, there shouldn't be no reason to cut, but maybe he was so bored with everything that he wanted to try something out you know he wanted to try something dangerously he wants to live i mean i'm all for taking like personal days that's why we're on vacation right now we're technically taking a four day long weekend vacation to kind of get away which has been very nice it's been nice but for me it's kind of been like i said between the sunburn and all this other stuff i've been going with it's just discomforting yeah but that's why i'm trying to make it better for you you know yeah so anyway you learn more on as you watch the movie that this is not the first time that Ferris has cut school yeah. to do what he wants. And this is his ninth sick day. Of nine days. Nine n- his months. ninth sick day of that school year. <laughs> and he, he even says to Cameron, if I get caught, I won't graduate. Yeah. Now, why, why is that? Well, because he probably cut school so much that Mr. Rooney sees that and he's just like, if you well, do one more time, then you can't graduate because you've cut so many days. Well, that's not the thing, though. That's not exactly what the statement was about. He said this is his ninth sick day. Sick day, yes. Yes. That's Now, a lot of people, even in work and school, if you miss a certain amount of days, you're either just cut from school or cut from work. Or and- you're fired. Yeah. Yeah. But he says specifically, if I get caught, I can't graduate. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a thing. Plus. Well, let me let me finish my thought. This well, is the thing. Fine. So, I mean, it's not the number of sick days that he's taken. It's the amount of times he's probably gotten caught skipping for whatever reason. And if he gets caught faking this sickness that's keeping him from school then he can't graduate. Mm -hmm. Now, the only people who can keep him from graduating is the school board and the principal. Yeah. So on and so forth. So, I mean, this kind of tells me in a way that he probably has been caught before. Probably. Probably. But his parents don't know about it. But another thing of this, the the thing that counters this idea is that the fact that Cameron tells him he gets away with a lot of shit. Yeah. And even his sister admits He gets away with a lot of shit because she knows that he's bullshitting. So is he really never got caught then from his parents or anything? Like, that's the thing. Well, I don't know if it's just because he hasn't gotten caught. That's me. Oh, okay. So I don't know if it's because he hasn't, like, officially been gotten caught, but Mm. that's the thing. How do you not get caught? Yeah, that's a good question. Because let's. I could get caught easily. Well, because there's a lot of moments throughout his adventure in that day. Where he could have gotten caught and should have been able to get caught. So how does he get away with it? Well, so, he recruits his girlfriend and his best friend to help him get out of it. Which, by the way, which, which by the way, okay. Before I before you start rambling on about something, and I want to say something. Okay, go. He 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 was saying that not only he wanted to do this for himself, he wanted to do this for Cameron also because did he, he though? He wanted to do it Did for Cameron. Though? Yes, I think Are he you did. sure? He wanted to have Cameron have a good time because Cameron's too stuck up and too stiff and just he's that's and he's the one who's always feeling sick. I say nay to this. And you wanna know why? Why? Because when we watched Ferris Bueller a I, couple of days ago I kinda figure where this is going. I could not help but point out how toxic Cameron and Ferris's friendship is. Because think about it. He did kind of, yeah, he did use them. Think think back to, like, after he calls Cameron, and he's like, I bet you right now Cameron is sitting in his car debating whether or not he should go. And Cameron's sitting in his car doing not only just that, but he even says, if I don't go, he's just going to guilt me and make me feel like... 
That is something that a toxic person in a relationship does. And we see this a lot when they interact. Because Cameron doesn't want to do anything bad because he's afraid of getting caught, which is a natural fear, by yeah. the way. Hmm. I'm always afraid of getting caught, getting caught doing something wrong, which is why I try not to do the wrong thing. But my point is, is that Ferris always seems to corral him to do it hmm. for whatever reason or another. And like I said, Ferris can get around, I'm pretty sure, pretty fine without needing Cameron's car or whatever. Yeah. But the fact that Cam- Cameron's dad owns a Ferrari. A 1964 red Ferrari. Makes it the perfect scheme to push his boundaries on how far he can get away with shit. Because Ferris was telling Cameron that they can't pick up Sloan from Mr. Rooney in Cameron's car because he basically said it's a piece of shit. But here's the thing. Cameron's dad has all these different types of cars they can borrow. And they could choose any of them. Yeah, exactly. They had to pick that Ferrari, though. Why? I feel Why? like because he wants to see like how Ferris is dangerous and he wants to push his buttons and everything. I guess he did that with the Ferrari because it's um, his father's possession, his love, his passion. Well, no, I mean... Well, it is his love and passion. That's what he said in the movie. That's Cameron's way of explaining it. Because here's the thing. He tells this to Ferris over and over and over again. And normally, somebody who respects people's boundaries like that... Like, if he respected Cameron saying, Okay, I get that your dad loves his car more than you, and he worked very hard on it. I'm not going to touch it. Nope. Did not do that at all. But he did ask him. He was like, Does your dad not trust you? He said, He never has. He never will. (laughs) But here's the point. If you truly care about somebody's, like wishes and boundaries you would respectfully not do the things that you are exactly. doing to make them feel uncomfortable exactly even cameron said hey how about we rent a limo or we rent a nice car on he, me my treat he's giving them he's giving him all these other options to not go with the ferrari and cameron or not cameron ferris is still pushing for the ferrari and you know what ferrari and not ferrari you know what ferris does he reverses the car head towards cameron's way and then he says this come on live a little and then he's just like fine does a does a prayer you know what point is living if you're doing something that's going to get you in really fucking trouble and a lot of people a lot of kids with strict parents feel like if you know my if my parents catch me doing this they're gonna fucking kill me no i mean yes there have there are a lot of cases where kids may probably do something and their parents do lash out at them but yeah but you know what i feel like ferris he wanted to do a lot of this before he gets older and starts realizing that he's really like his parents where they never really did much growing up as kids that's why i feel like ferris lashed out in that way because he wants to live before he dies not in like the way of dying in like well, you know yeah. in a grave, but dying inside as a person, mm-hmm. you know, and you grow up to be bitter, and that's what Fr- what Cameron would have been too if he didn't do the things with with Ferris. And I feel like that's why he was pushing Cameron to do that, so he's not afraid to do things. Yeah, and that's why I but, feel like that there was that type of plot hole. But here's the thing, though, and the, the cynical side of me, but <laughs> I feel like that's just an excuse. Because yeah, like I said, I feel like the whole purpose of Ferris doing the things that he does, he's a thrill seeker. He's a thrill seeking type of kid who just wants to have a good time. And like I keep saying, he wants to push the limit to see how far he can get away with stuff before he gets caught. He was even in the parade. He was in yeah. the Chicago parade. He, exactly. He was in a public event yeah. that many people in the city were watching either from afar or were actually like up front and center at the parade. I think it was like a German parade or something. It feels like my point is is that hmm. there could have been media coverage, which even at the baseball game they were at, there was media coverage and they were on TV. There was media coverage because he was faking that he was sick and that he was really that bad and they started doing this thing in school and outside of school the Save Ferris. Mm-hmm. You know, the Save Ferris thing, which I don't even All right, well, here's the- another plot hole. That exactly. I try to figure out. Exactly. How did the parents not get that? How did they not see it in the papers, in the news, or even hear from school that that Ferris was going through the sickness that he had, and they were doing a foundation fundraiser thing called Save Ferris? Oh, here's another thing I don't get too. But like, I mean, 
a lot of people like Ferris because he's always given them a lot of favors. Like, he's always helped them out with stuff. And, and he's very like popular with the kids. Yeah, but, like, how? Well, how? All right, well, Ferris is a very, as you can tell, Ferris is a charismatic kid. He's smart, he's outgoing, he's mm-hmm. funny. I feel like with a lot of that, a lot of kids can relate to Ferris because he's pretty much like how every kid wants to be. You know, free, doing what they want, you know, getting into trouble without getting into trouble. You know, that's how Ferris mm-hmm. was. And I feel like everyone wants to relate to that, and that's how they love him. Yeah, but, I mean, I have a lot of, I have a lot of issues with this movie that I just poke a lot of holes in. And <laughs> I mean, poke, 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 poke. Yes. Mm-hmm. And while we're on the subject of, you know, people gullibly following, blindly following his schemes and lies and shit... Let's focus a bit on the people who are not afraid to call out on his bullshit. Like Jeannie. Yeah, his sister. Oh, his which, sister. Which was another person we were talking about with a lot of plot holes. She gets in trouble a lot. Yeah. Which I've noticed. And plus, she's the older sister. Plus, she gets a lot of grief and a lot of shit well, from the parents. To, I shouldn't say to be fair, but as an older sibling, when you're the oldest, your parents kind of instill a lot of this... Re- Responsibility? Yeah. Like, they, they expect you to be responsible in your choices because as the oldest of however many siblings you have, you're the example that you are setting for them. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of weird to me. I never understood that. It's like, as a parent, your children are reflections of yourself. Exactly. So why is what one child is doing, how would that affect what other children are doing? Because mm-hmm. let's be honest... My sister sometimes never wanted to do any of the things that I wanted to do. Yeah, and same with my brother, too. He never yeah. re- really wanted to do the stuff that I wanted to do, yeah. either. And there was a lot of things that my sister has since opened up to me f- with, and that's cool and everything. But I am, at the end of the day, I am my own person. She is her own person. And the same thing I with have me and my, my own, brother. I have my own in- interests and dislikes. She has her own interests and dislikes. I don't think... I think that type of mentality and a sibling dynamic is total bullshit. And I I get that, like, why they were portraying it in Jeannie's character to be that disgruntled older sibling who never gets the same kind of um, privileges as their other siblings. But... Yes. One thing that she is super happy about that she has that Ferris doesn't have, she said, she said I have a car, and he has a computer. Well, it's the thing that I think she doesn't quite understand is, like, I asked my parents for a car and got it. Or I think she had to work for I don't know what her issue is with that. I think that. her parents got it for her. But Ferris asked for a computer, and they gave it to him. Why is that an issue? But the thing was, but, I, I don't even think well, that was a thing, because Ferris even said that, like, I, I got a computer, my sister got a car. It, I feel like in his tone of voice, he didn't really want the computer. He kind of more wanted the car. Yeah, but he asked for the computer. Did he not? At least, nah. at least that's what she said. Well, in the way, no, well, well, he, she was saying that I got the car and he got the computer. I feel like the parents made that decision, you know. Which is even kind of more messed up in a way because, I mean, again, going back to my personal like life experiences, I had a grandparent who was similar in that aspect. Mm. She, well, I never got the car. So. Well, no, she didn't give us a car. Yeah, she would always give one grandkid something and not the other grandkid something because mm. i there were there were times where my family we would live with my grandparents for a while while we were kind of like in between apartments or transitioning from apartment to house exactly and they would do things like go to the store and they would come back and they would like give a treat to one of us but not the other and this mm. pissed my dad off severely yeah because it's just like you're trying it's, to... It's not fair. It's you're, like... Yeah, you like the other kid more than the other, right? And not for nothing, but it also pins the kids against each other. Because it gives them that mentality like, Oh, well, if I got this and they didn't get this, then I'm the favorite of the two. Like, no. That's never okay. And just messed up. Isn't that kind of like the same thing with Jeannie and Ferris? Is that they pin each other on things because the parents got one of the kids the car and the other one the computer and Ferris wants the car more than anything but they treat Ferris like they give Ferris more privileges than they do Genie. yeah because he's the youngest and he's like the innocent one they feel like but why is that like they give Genie the car which in my opinion is a way more responsible gift than a computer I feel like Ferris is suck up too he suck ups to his parents as well 
Especially when he was sick and everything. But that was the thing. He was trying to scheme that he was sick. And he wasn't trying to show that he was lying. Well, that's... When you're trying to get your way with things, yeah. a little ass-kissing doesn't hurt. Yeah, and that's what Ferris does, I feel like, yeah. with his parents. Jeannie doesn't kiss ass. He's re- She's real with her parents. She has a lot more pride in herself. Yeah. She doesn't She doesn't want to be the kind of person who stoops that low. Me. Yeah. She doesn't to, need to, to kiss ass yeah. in order to be, like, you know, the loved one. She doesn't, yeah. th- she doesn't look at it that way. Just, yeah, I don't know. And think about it, too. The way she interacts with people to try to get what she wants. The way she acts with... Oh, I'm sorry, Mimi. She's mean. a smart ass too. But the way she interacts with the secretary at school... Which the way, I love that scene. The way she interacts with the operator on the phone when she calls the cops on Speaking principal. English! <laughs> yeah. She's... De- and her mom's secretary at work. Mm-hmm. She's trying to get in touch with her. She demands things. Yeah. She doesn't ask, and she doesn't ask politely. She demands that... I talk to Principal Rooney. I demand to talk to my mother. I demand to speak to the police and come to my house and arrest this man. Like, Because she, she doesn't take she, shit. She doesn't take shit from people. I don't think it's that either, but it's like... I feel like... I mean, that. she's disgruntled. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop my thought before I go on a completely different rant that but, is so not meant for this um, topic. What? But my favorite moment with my favorite genie moment is where she's in the school and she's walking down the hallway... And the kid who's collecting um, change and money for Ferris's thing called Save Ferris. And he's okay. like, Save Ferris, Save Ferris. And he talks to the girl and doesn't realize that's his sister. Yeah, nobody he, seems to know that she's his sister. Exactly. And I feel like that's why, it maybe because she doesn't talk about it either. But the thing is, he was trying to ask for a donation from her to Save Ferris. And she was just like, like thinking to herself, fuck this. And hits the can, flies in the air. He's like... And he says, this, "Maybe someday you'll get, you'll want a favor from Ferris." <gasps> and he's like, "You heartless wench!" <laughs> oh my God! I just realized something. What? What you just said. The kid says to her, "Someday you're gonna need a favor from him." Yeah. Right. And then he says, "You heartless wench." Remember what we were talking about earlier? Because here's the thing: if, and this is what we were discussing before we got on the podcast today, if Jeannie really resents Ferris that much for getting away with everything. Why does she let him get away with faking sick at the end of the movie? Especially when she went through that whole like chase scene where she drove like a crazy person for like five blocks to get to her home. Exactly. And they got pulled over and, by the cops. Yeah. And she still manages to beat him, catches him in the act, but doesn't rat him out. Yeah. She doesn't let Rooney expose him and take the fall. Maybe that was the favor. I just realized why. why? Now Ferris owes her a favor. favor. Boom! Mind blown! High five! Yes! yes. I just Woo! cracked the plot hole. That's amazing. Oh my god. We just... <laughs> people, we just cracked the plot hole. She did. This is amazing. Oh my god. That was actually really cool. And I love your realization voice. Your reaction yeah, like... <gasps> <laughs> because it's like okay like we were talking about this right before we got on the podcast because we that whole scene like we said where she she's driving home from the police station her mother's in the car yeah but she catches ferris who's out and about and not sick and they lock eyes and they bolt and yeah. they're racing to get home before one or the other does. Which is one of the best and, scenes ever in the movie where he bolts home and, and like he goes said, from each neighborhood. And like I said, after all the resentment and hatred she has for Ferris's ability to get away with shit, and she lets him go. She saves his ass from Principal Rooney. She doesn't tell her parents anything because, I mean, even if she told them that she saw Ferris, are they going to believe her? Yeah. No. So she thinks, okay, I'm going to save his ass because some at some point down the line, I'm going to need something from him. And he's going to owe me a favor. Hmm. So, ha! That's amazing. Yeah. I'm so glad that you cracked that. That's so cool. So we did crack a plot hole today. We, we, made- we saw probably one of the biggest fucking plot holes in a cinematic movie. like Which I am super happy that you did that. And that was so cool. Like, I yeah. saw that before my eyes. But I helped, too, because of that situation that I talked about with the kid. Well, we had talked about that moment before. And yeah. it, it just occurred to me why and, she does, why she did what she did. And you just cracked it like an egg. And yeah. that's 
awesome. So I feel like that's amazing. That's a good accomplishment today. I feel like that's a good way to end the podcast episode right and now. And I think that's how we're going to do it. And you know what? We're not going to only do just one episode of these plot hole, uh, plot hole uh, episodes. I feel like we should do others. And you know what? Especially with 80s movies, there's always plot holes in a lot of 80s movies. Well, I definitely know for sure that this is going to be like a multiple part thing. Like, yeah, there's going to be a series. Yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna keep doing segments like this because honestly, I had fun talking about this, and it's it's nice to have conversations like that that make you think about things in in depth. Yeah. Because when you like when you watch a movie, you can talk about like what your favorite scenes were, what's your favorite like character, what what did you like about the movie, or what concept like. But you don't think about like the deep plot holes of like what could have been. What probably should have been. Exactly. How this could have been avoided and why overall. And this is why but, we're going to make more episodes of this and explain the pot, plot holes too. And you yeah. know what? And maybe when we're talking too, we could probably figure out like we did with the Ferris Bueller plot hole that we could figure out that there is something within that plot hole. Well, that's what helps too when you talk things out. The, when you talk, I'm the type of person who sits and I think to myself like really hard like, why do these things happen? Like, why does this happen all the time? Like, why does this... Everything but, happens for a reason. But when you talk it out loud with somebody and help, like, bounce ideas off, you can really, like, accomplish a thought yeah. process. And it helps. Exactly. That's why I liked this podcast. Like, I had a lot of fun talking about this And that's things. why I love this episode. And if you guys have any other, like, plot hole suggestions, like, here's the thing. We, we obviously haven't seen every single movie, but if you have a plot hole you would like to talk for us to talk about recommend it on our twitter account or our facebook group page and that's why i and wrote it on my facebook uh, my own facebook page this morning asking a question you know what's the biggest plot hole in a movie that you could think of and i'm going to take that and probably use that towards something like this towards these series and it might it might take us some time to to get through it because some of these movies we probably haven't seen before and we will have to watch and and during this episode i can hear my phone ringing the whole time and those and those are people actually talking about like probably talking about the plot holes too so I'm it's kind of check funny right now oh gosh he's gonna check but well, no but so these are all reactions and comments to the picture you posted a few days ago okay well anyways we're gonna finish up on the podcast right now podcast podcast Podca- wow i sound pad-cast. like i'm from i sound like i'm from boston podcast and it sounds like you're saying podcast pad padme podcast if padme had a pad podcast <laughs> something mm-hmm. like that i don't know um so we're gonna end the episode now and thank you all for listening to us i hope you have a wonderful tuesday and my name is colin bourne and I am Aaliyah. Signing off saying, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. Boom, boom, 